Welcome to Women Inseparable with author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Our eight-week study this season is titled, But God. Each of us has a story with many various elements. The one element that outshines them all is the entrance of Jesus Christ into our story. Here's Jacqueline. Genesis 31, we're going to talk about Jacob. But just for a moment, are we going to talk about Jacob? If you want the full story of Jacob and your personal uh, challenge, you want to start in Genesis chapter 25, halfway through Genesis 25, and you want to read all the way to the end of Genesis. That's Jacob's story. There's a lot of characters in the Bible where you'll see his whole life story or whole life story in one chapter. Sometimes when we go into the New Testament, we see somebody's whole story in one sentence. Jacob, we have chapters 25 to 49. He dies right before the final chapter of Genesis is recorded. His whole story is laid before us. If you want to walk with Jacob through his chapters of his life, read Genesis 25 to 49. If you have a Bible that has headlines, it's not my favorite, but it kind of helps us find chapters and stories in today's society. But if you want to, as you read through Genesis, if you want to just focus on Jacob itself, follow those headlines. So when you see it veer off into Joseph, skim over that. Sometimes it's okay. If you're doing a study on Jacob, you want to read Jacob, it's okay to skip a verse to read the next verse. Have you ever heard that before? Sometimes we go through our Bibles and we're like, we have to read every word. And now we're in Deuteronomy and this is really, really hard because I don't know how to say these names. So that's when I go to my audio Bible and I listen to the names because the person who reads them professionally knows how to pronounce them. Ha. Huh. So then I can look at them with my eyeballs and hear them with my ear holes and it works in my brain. It's always a way to cheat. Genesis 31. We're going to go in just a little, little picture of Jacob's life. Genesis 31 verse 1. It says, now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying these words. And forgive me for not doing a deep study on whom Jacob is and who Laban is. And I do pray that if you have those questions of who is Jacob and who is Laban, I pray you'll take that as a personal challenge. That you don't have to read 25 through 49. Start in like 29, 29 and 30. Just, just get a little little picture of who Laban is and that relationship between Jacob and Laban. It says, now Jacob heard that the sons of Laban were saying, Jacob has taken all that was our father's and from what was our father's, he has gained all his wealth. Not a good thing that the sons of Laban were saying. Verse two, and Jacob saw that Laban did not regard him with favor as he did before. That's Jacob's perception. It's a good sentence to ponder. Verse three says, then the Lord said to Jacob, how powerful and beautiful and personal are those words. Then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers, return to the land of your kindred, and I will be with you. You see, those words probably brought fear in the heart of Jacob. And you want to know about the seed of that fear? Go back to Genesis 25, Genesis 26, and see what was happening. What happened? Why Jacob wasn't in the land of his fathers? It's a good question to ask. You have to return. So why aren't you home? What took you away from your home? Good questions to ask. God's like, go home and I'll be with you. Don't be afraid. Why is there fear? Good, good questions. I will be with you. Verse four, he says, so Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah. Those are his two wives, uh, sisters. Another good story. Great questions. You'll find them in scripture, your answers. Not going to get into that today. So Jacob sent and called Rachel, to, Rachel and Leah into the field where his flock was. And he said to these two women, these two sisters, his two wives said, I see that your father does not regard me with favor as he did before. The thought that he had in his head and his heart, he shared with these two women. And then he said this, but the God of my father has been with me. Such confidence in the heart of this man 
Verse six, he says, you know that I have served your father with all my strength. Yet yet your father has cheated me and has changed my wages 10 times. Do you see his sentences? Do you see his reality? Have you ever worked for somebody who changed your job description without asking you? Added to your plate without consideration to your life? Changed your payment? Docked your pay? Took away your bonuses? Anything replied to your workspace and you don't know why this happened? This is happening to him 10 times from his boss who is the father of two of his wives. Do you see the deep emotional connection that's going on here? It's more than just a sentence. Picture Jacob here telling his story and the emotions that came with it. He says, your father has cheated me and he's changed my wages 10 times. But God, but God did not permit him to harm me. It's a good sentence. It's a good sentence. And I pray that you write that sentence on your personal challenge page as you read through the story of Jacob, as you read through the relationship between Jacob and Laban and keep hearing how Jacob saw Laban's behavior. Even though Jacob's, Laban's behavior was against Jacob, Jacob saw Laban as a person. He saw God as the one who would not allow Laban to hurt him. He didn't take the attacks personal. He kept his his what? His shield, his faith, his eyes, his trust. What was that that Jacob kept? That Laban, as much as Laban wanted to hurt him, no harm happened. Jacob had something there. What was that? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. We thank you so much for filling a book full of stories of lives that were lived, just lives that were lived. Some of them we read over them and we wonder the significance of them. Others we read Jacob's story that lasts so long and there's so much depth, so many emotions, so many questions that we have from our society of how is that even possible? Why did that happen? How did that happen? Why did you allow that to happen? Questions that we ask over these stories that are recorded on the Bible. Father God, they're the same stories we ask when we look at our lives. We think of our sentences, of our situations, of our circumstances, and we ask our questions of how is that possible? Of why did that happen? Father God, I pray that you'll be with us today. I pray that you'll give us a practical answer to that question. I pray that you'll open our eyes to our but God lens. Help us to see Jacob's story as he saw his story, as he lived his story. I pray, Lord, that if you are willing, that you'll use my story, that you'll use the lens of but God to grow one more girl closer to you. I pray that you'll be with each and every one of us, be with our stories. And more than that, Lord, I pray that you'll be with our lens. And I pray that you'll help us today to strengthen and make that lens even clearer on the two words, but God. We pray these things in the precious and mighty and holy name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Genesis 31. Um, So much. The teacher in me wants to give so much, but then you wouldn't have a personal challenge, so that would be no fun. That would be cheating, and I don't cheat. Sometimes. Last week was a little raw, sitting in this seat, sharing my sentences with my friends. It was a little raw. I went home um, after last week. I don't know if you are supposed to share these things after giving your testimony um, publicly, but the truth of the matter is I went home after last week's uh, time with you girls and my husband was home already from work with his work schedule. He was already home and he is sitting on my small couch in my writing space waiting for me and he knew what I was, he knew I was gonna share some of our story. He didn't know exactly what, um, but he knew the time period that we were gonna cover. So he had an idea, he was with me. He lived these same sentences that I shared with you. And I walked into the door and he is around the corner in my space and 
he says, hi, honey. I said nothing. I just walk, you know, my little shoes on my wood floor and just walk. And he's like, babe, everything okay? And I didn't say anything. I just walked. And he's sitting there with his feet up on my hope chest. I know. <laughs> Women in this room are like tisk tisk. But his feet are up on the hope chest and he's sitting back on my couch. And I missed the couch almost entirely and sat on him and curled up like a three-year-old with my head on my husband's chest and all I could do was cry. That's how I ended yesterday. It has been a long time. I don't even know when, if ever, I shared all that publicly at one time. I've shared tidbits with the heart that needed that tidbit so that I could say to that woman, I understand. If we're talking physical, if we're talking emotional, if we're talking abuse, if we were talking something, I could pull out my little sentence of human connection and say, here's my piece of my story. I understand. And it, God uses that multiple times in one-on-one -on -one conversations. Never live, not knowing where the video, where the podcast is going, all of my stuff. It was a little raw. It was a little real. So I went home and I... I sat on my little, my favorite seat. I don't care where that seat is sitting. It's my favorite seat. And just, just sat in his arms. I told him like, I don't want to talk. I don't want to hear. I don't want, I just, just, just cried. And it was healthy and it was good. And throughout the day I shared, you know, with him, I talked about this and talked about this. He's like, whoa, did you add this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> did you say, yeah, <laughs> it was interesting. And he listens to this podcast every, every week as he's driving uh, with UPS. Um, but he listened to it a couple days later, and he comes home quiet. And I'm at the dinner table, and he comes and sits on the stairs, like, beside me. And he's like, I listened. <laughs> no other words. He's like, I get why you came home the way you came home. That was a lot. That was a lot. And we both sat there and realized that was the first time I think we've ever heard our story and it was weird to our ears to hear what life was because we we've been married now for 20 years and we talk about remember when you know those great stories when you have that deep relationship you remember we never remember that what I shared last week it's not part of our dialogue that's not what we remember when we look back at those years we talk about the trips that we took to California. And we don't focus on the trips that we took to California because I needed another MRI. We talk about the hotel that we stayed on, the humorous stuff that took place during those moments. We remember the living. We don't remember the, we don't focus on the story. Does that make sense? So it was really weird, really raw to our ears to hear our story. Just odd. So I don't know if I want to apologize to those of you who heard my story and it went to a place that caused pain in your heart, your life. I do pray sincerely, and I've been praying over you all week, that your heart is healthy, that it's sound, that it's strong. My husband and I had a crazy, crazy four years, um, but God, but God didn't allow any of that to harm us. And we look back and we wonder why. Why was God so good? I think about that when I go back to my childhood, why was God so good? And for those of you who heard little tidbits from week one, my childhood in theory wasn't great. It wasn't easy. It wasn't good. It was not the good Christian home that people perceived. But God didn't allow anything to harm me. There was never anything between God's heart and my heart ever as a child. And I sit here as an adult and I wonder why why? And the answer is in Jacob's words. God did not allow anything to, to harm me. There was something there. There was something there that stopped every word to hit my heart and cause a scar on my heart. There was something there that stopped every physical to hurt my heart and leave a scar on my heart. There was something there but even though I was in tears and even though it took me time in my adult life to conquer fear, to conquer nightmares, to conquer, get control of my thoughts, all those things, God was always, always, always with me and never allowed anything to harm me. I may have been hurt, 
right? My feelings may have been hurt. My body may have been hurt. My something may have been hurt. But my God, there was never hurt. What was that? What was that? And I wonder if it's that whatever that is in Jacob's relationship with God is the same that was in my relationship with God. And I wonder if that's the same that was in your relationship with God. Or I wonder if it's different for us. Because sometimes God relates differently with one person than he does with another person. Have you ever noticed that as you read through scripture? The way God deals with Daniel is a little different than the way God deals with Ezekiel. Little bit. And we see this, the way God dealt with John was a little different than the way God dealt with Peter. Little bit. Almost as if God meets every single one of us as we are, where we are, holds us as we need to be held. But I guarantee if you look through the lens of but God, you can stand with Jacob and say, but my God did not allow anything to harm me. That's that relationship that we talked about in week one, the relationship that God created between God and man, 100% good. Even though the seed of evil is all around us and that seed of evil will harm us physically with illness, will harm our marriages, harm our children, harm everything. I hate that seed of evil. There's no other word for it. I hate it. It's all around us. But that relationship with God is 100% good. And it takes two for that to remain. It takes our God who is ever faithful. And it takes you. It takes you. It takes us back to when Cain and God were talking. And God told Cain that evil is knocking at your door. You must control it. That's one of the things we have to do. Don't allow that seed of evil to fester inside of you. Don't allow your story to root a seed of bitterness, perhaps. And I don't want to give any other words. If there's a word, the Lord will lay it on your heart. If there's not, don't push it. Sometimes we want to give ourselves conviction for some reason. Don't do that. Let the Lord do that. Your relationship with God, you're part of that. It's a two-way, two-way thing. Are you present? Are you in there? My relationship with God started when I was three years old. I got saved when I was three. My mom led me to the Lord. My birth father, my, my daddy, had left. Uh, another story, another day. Um, it was my mom, my two older sisters, and myself, the four of us girls. And I was missing my dad, and my mom comes over and tells me, you have a dad. His name is God. And she introduced me to God, the Father told me about Jesus Christ, told me that Jesus came, lived on earth, died on the cross, was buried, rose again, and that Jesus loves me and that God loves me as his daughter. I got saved that day. My mom led me to the Lord that day. It was a good day. I don't know what day. I don't know what month. I know nothing. I know that was the day I became his daughter. I know that. Sometime from the time I was, I don't know, I have no idea when, but at some point in my life, my mom's brother is a pastor in Las Vegas, the church I grew up in. He gave um, my sisters and I some magnets when we were little, and these magnets all had scripture on them. These magnets have been on refrigerators that I've lived in my entire life. We got married, took the magnet, that's my magnet. Magna has been in our apartments that we lived in, our rental homes. It's in my, you know, the first home we bought in Vegas when we moved to Idaho almost eight years ago. It was in our rental house and now the house that we're raising our son in. This magnet has been with me my entire life. The verse that's on there, I think, is my answer of what that is. And I don't know if it's because I've heard this verse my whole life that this verse is like spoken over me or something that I believed so sincerely that there was never a question, never a question. There's a verse in Psalm 17, eight that says, keep me as the apple of your eye, hide me under the shadow of thy wings. I've had this verse given to me and it's been my verse my whole life. I never and ever And anything that I've gone through from the time I was a little girl to the story that I shared to the story that I'm living today, because you know, we're all living a story today. Did you know that? (laughs) Fun. The the life that we're living right now is a story we're going to tell to somebody one day. 
consider that. When I was in my early 20s, that story I shared with you, then I wasn't thinking, oh, one day I'm going to tell this story to somebody. But the truth of the matter is, we're always going to tell a story that we live to somebody at some point. And God can use it every time. That includes our story that we're living today. Never once in all of my stories did I ever doubt that I was not the apple of God's eye. Not because I'm Jacqueline and I'm wonderful and special, but because he's my God. He's my God and scripture declares, I'll keep you as the apple of my eye. And that was a truth that was so true that no other lie could stand against it. The truth stood tall. That was my truth. Scripture says in this verse and throughout scripture that we're hidden under the shadow of the wings of God Almighty. That's truth. So no matter what this person wanted to do in my life or this situation wanted to do in my life or this circumstance that wanted to happen in my life, it didn't matter and it happened. All this stuff happened. But I was never not under the shadow of the wings of my Heavenly Father, never once. I always saw it. I always felt it. And on my end, I don't know why. I don't know if it's because I had that childlike faith. I don't know. But I know that I never not had that. This magnet is not attractive, I can tell you that. But this sweet little girl and the sweet little apple tree, I feel like has been my, my truth. It's been my truth. And my question for you today, my question for all of us today, is: you look at your story, whether you're looking at your past story or you're looking at your story today, what is your truth? What is your truth? And I pray that when you know your truth and you see your truth, that that truth will stand taller than every other sentence that you have to say. I shared a lot of sentences last week, a lot of sentences last week, and not one of them could even stand in the presence of this truth. Not one of them. And I know for certain, that's why my husband and I can look back at those years and be like, we had fun. Like, do you remember laughing at this? And do you remember that memory? And do you remember the, oh, do you remember that? And it's, we lived a different life and it wasn't represented by those sentences. It was represented by the truth. My husband's truth is Jesus. That was my husband's truth. It's still my husband's truth. And his walk with the Lord is different than mine. His relationship with God is different than mine. And how glad I am that they're different because that means his is real and it means mine is real. And I like that. My truth is Jesus. My encouragement to us this week is to write your sentences. Just write your sentences. Try not to write the whole dialogue. If you're ready, write the dialogue. If you're ready to pour everything out, pour everything out and see what God will do through your heart. But if you're not ready to pour it out, write your sentences. Maybe even a word, MS. Just write it down. You know what's being said behind that. Write a name or an identity of that name. Mom's husband. Write it down. The paper doesn't need details. You don't need to give details. You can hear the word, you know, Ford. I don't know. And a whole story will go through your head. You don't need to write it down for your own memory. Your memory's got it. Just write that word. Just the, just the word, just the sentence. Write them down. And then after we study Philippians 4, I pray that Philippians 4 will write another column next to it. And that you'll find your truth. So that each time you look over those sentences, each time you see those names, each time you see those words, you can match it up to your truth. And every time you go back to your story and every time you live your story today, instead of focusing on that sentence, instead of focusing on that word, instead of focusing on that seed of evil and that person who did not control his seed of evil, you can say, this is my truth. Do you see the power there? And it's no longer about that control that that story has over you. Because sometimes that story has control over us. And when that story has control over us, it hurts. And the weight is so heavy. And the burden is so strong. And all we can picture ourselves doing is lying on the ground, buried, 
under the blanket of those emotions. But God, but God has given you a truth. And I don't know what your truth is, but I pray that today in our study, you'll find that truth. And I pray that above all truths, I pray that the number one truth is the fact that you can say with your heart, with your mind, with your soul, I believe in the resurrected son of God. I have placed my faith in Jesus Christ. And I know, and I know that Jesus Christ is the son of God. I know that he came. I know that he died on the cross. And I know that he was risen again for me. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. And perhaps that is a sentence, the word, the truth that you put on your paper. Can you find a better truth? What sentence in your life can you put next to Jesus and it trump the name of Jesus? It's, it's amazing as I'm talking this morning, the, the seriousness on our hearts. And then it's amazing the smiles that just spread from wall to wall at the simple name of Jesus. Each and every one of us have something in our head as we talk about our story. We do. It's there. We're on week four of but God. Something is stewing. Something is starting to pop out of that Pandora's box. But God. But God has risen Jesus Christ from the dead and that truth stands tall every time. And you wonder why I went through this and why I'm still alive today because God did not allow harm to come at you because you're alive today. You're still living. Think about that. God is powerful. God is present. God is there. And sometimes we look back at our story and say, but why did God let it happen? Evil. There's a seed of evil. And if God stopped every seed of evil, none of us would be here. Fair. We, are, we live in a world of evil. But God, this is Jesus. This is what Jesus did. This is what Jesus does. This is who Jesus is. He is our freedom from our past. He's our strength in our story. What is your truth? May your truth stand tall. Philippians. We're going to get into scripture. Philippians 4. Uh, just for my friends that are in here, um, speaking of telling our past stories and telling our story that we're in today, seeing our story today in the lens of but God, I've been asked, because I love telling my story so dearly, I've been asked from a um, friend of mine to tell my present story, the life that I've been living this last year, since last June, to tell that story at our women's conference this weekend, next weekend. Will you um, cover that in prayer as my women inseparable girls, will you please cover that in prayer? It's one thing to tell a story that you, you've seen in the but God lens and you look back and you use that for the glory of God. It's another thing to be so raw and vulnerable and say, here's where I am today and I don't know what God's doing with it, but here's my reality. Huh? Ha. I'm so excited. Will you please cover that in prayer? Cover the whole conference in prayer. It'll be beautiful, uh, but selfishly. <laughs> I, will, I will not argue your, um, your love in prayer. That but God lens is real. It's real, it's powerful, it's beautiful. It's that truth that stands tall. It's the truth that, that is between you and God that keeps everything 100% good no matter what. Here's some, here's some scripture, and I pray that your truth spills out of this, whether it's a verse, a sentence, whatever it is. I actually want to go back. Can I go back to Philippians 3? I want to overstep myself here. Philippians 3, verse 12. Let's start there. Paul is speaking, and Paul's got a story. Paul has a little bit of a story. There's another good personal challenge in the midst of his story, toward the end, later years of his story, he writes these words. Philippians 3.12, he says, Not that I have already obtained. Not that I've already obtained this or am already perfect. But I press on. 
I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. We asked just a few minutes ago if you know Jesus Christ is your Savior. And the nods and the smiles and the posture change and the shoulder shift that when you know that you know that Jesus is yours. Listen to Paul's words. Listen to Paul's truth. That even if Paul in his head could go back and say, I can't believe I did what I did. Have you ever said that to yourself? (sighs) Paul understands. He says, I can't believe. I can't believe I did what I did. But then he says with boldness and confidence, his truth that stood tall in the midst of the whole book of Acts. Truly believe this is his truth. Not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect. The fact of the matter is I press on. I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. He says, brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What a beautiful lens when we look at our past story. It's a past story. It's a past story. May that be a statement that you write down. It's a past story. You say, but I had to live it. I had to go through it. Yeah, you did. And look at you today. Look how strong you are today. Keep it in the past. Let God use it today. I never would have thought God would have used those four years for but God's study and women inseparable in Idaho in 2022. Wouldn't have crossed my mind. Because I wasn't speaking to women at that time. Not professionally, not personally. I wasn't literally speaking to women. Those that know me know, I've said this before, I did not have girlfriends in my life. I was not a, I had two older sisters. If I needed girl time, I would ask my two older sisters, like, does this match? I don't know. I didn't know how to have conversations with girls. Zero. Zero. So if somebody told me back then that I would be sharing this to a group of women, far and wide, I would have been like, where's my rock? I need a rock. I need to be buried. Shadow of his wings. Cover me. I'm God. Just take me home. (laughs) Petrified, mortified. I was a teacher of elementary school at the time. And if an adult walked in the room, I quit talking. I didn't care what I was talking about, whether it was Bible or math. Quit talking. I did not talk. (laughs) And then I would have the awful heartbeat conversation with the adult. The adult would leave. I was back with my first graders and I was fine. You could say anything to a first grader. They'll love you. So I was comfortable there. That was, that was my emotional ability. God's a powerful God. The things that he can do. No idea that that story would have been used. And I pray, I pray that God's using that story. And I'm confident that he is. Paul, I would imagine, felt the same way. When Paul was doing what Paul was doing under the identity of a man named Saul, I highly doubt it crossed his mind that we would be studying Paul's words today. As a child of God, brothers to Stephen, whom he murdered. Highly doubt that crossed his mind. But God, what else is there to say? Look at Paul's story. It's amazing the transformation God can do with us. Forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. What lies ahead? You want a deep study of what lies ahead? Do our Jesus and me today study. Go over that. See what lies ahead. The answer is Jesus. Just to give away that whole 10 point, 10 week study. The answer is Jesus. Because the answer is always, always Jesus. Chapter 4, verse 1. He says, Therefore, my brothers, therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and my crown. Can you be the reader of this letter, please? Stand firm. Stand firm in the Lord, my beloved. 
And then he entreats, he takes a moment to talk to two women specifically who are servants of the Lord. Hmm. This goes back to week two. These two women were servants called by God to work. She was working and she was working. They were doing as servants what God called these two women to do. And they did not get along. Shock. (laughs) Personal challenge. You need that scripture to study that. He talks to these two women. And he talks to the women around these two women. And this is fascinating. He talks to the men and women that serve the Lord along these two women that are servants called to work, that don't like each other. He talks to those around them and says, encourage them in the Lord. Don't add seed of evil to what Satan's trying to do. Encourage. You see two girls that aren't getting along and they're servant to the Lord. It's going to happen. Encourage them. Can you do that? Well, side note, good, good um, challenge for those who need that challenge. Verse four, it says, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. I wonder if that's the word we need to write as our truth that stands tall. Let your reasonableness, and I pray that you'll see the word your let your reasonableness or your gentleness, your, your version may say, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, period. Sometimes we see that and we look at our story and we look at the life that we're presently living, the story we're presently living, and we're trying to put on the lens of but God, so we put on the, the image of but God, and we put on a reasonableness that we think ought to be reasonable, and we put that to everyone. That's not what the scripture is saying. There's a word that says your If you're talking, if we're focusing on your story today, put your reasonableness on, your gentleness to everyone. And you see everyone at different times, correct? Do you see everyone at everyone all the time, everywhere you go? No, that's silly. You're going to see one person in your life at one time or a couple of people at one time. Know what your gentleness is to that person in your life. Is that fair to say? The gentleness that you share with your spouse is going to be different than the gentleness you share with one of your children. And for those of you that have multiple children, I only have one, praise Jesus. Those of you who have multiples, you're going to show a different level of gentleness per child, aren't you? They're going to relate to the different children where they are as they are. Isn't that interesting? Almost as if God knew how to design the heart of a parent, since he is the heart of a parent. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. And then it says, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. God gave me that verse this last week as I went home after telling you guys my story. And this verse just sat in my heart in a totally different way. So many times you hear this verse, don't be anxious for anything. And you think about what's anxious around you right here, right now. But God changed that lens as I look back at my past. Be anxious for nothing. When those emotions from the past creep in, don't be anxious about it. Use it. Let God use it. When that past comes up in conversation and you're publicly speaking, don't be anxious about it. Lay it before the throne so God can use it. I thought that was a sweet gift God gave me, this verse this past week. Do not be anxious about anything. I wonder what would happen if we wrapped that verse, that truth, around our past story. Don't be anxious about anything. There's power. There's power there. If you frame your story with this truth. This truth can stand taller than anything your sentence could put on paper. Don't be anxious about anything. Then it says this, but in everything by prayer, but in everything, your past story, that Pandora's box by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you think about your story, sweet friend, 
What is your request that you have for God? Have you ever asked yourself that? What is it about my story that I need God right now to do for me? Because my story is decades old, or my story is years old, or my story is seasons old, but it's still so prevalent in me. What's that request you have for God? Think about that. It's a fair question. What is that request? In prayer and in supplication, we did a big study on, on prayer a couple seasons ago on the difference between prayer and supplication. In both of those tools, with the heart of thanksgiving because Jesus lay that request before the throne of God. It helps us see our story differently, doesn't it? It helps us look back at that Pandora's box with less fear and less fill in that emotion. And instead we see it as, okay, from the, my side angle view, I know God that it's there, but my request over what's over there is this. And maybe your request is, help me. I don't know what your request is. I pray that you know what your request is about your story and then lay that request before the Lord. And you don't have to go over your story. That's the best part about this. That's the freedom that we see in this. It's not that you have to go back and revisit every emotion and every sentence and every circumstance and every seed of evil. You just have to say, God, here's my request. You get to ask for something. Don't you love asking for things? <laughs> It's as simple as saying, Jane, can you bring me food? <laughs> it truly is that simple. You're going to your father who gave his son because he loves you as his daughter. And you're simply going to your father and saying, God, here's my request. May I encourage you as a sister to say your request out loud, loud enough for your ears to hear it. Because it's hard. It's weird. If I may say, it's weird hearing your story with your own ears. But it's powerful and it's freeing hearing your request to God out loud. Because it becomes a truth. It becomes truer than every lie that has been spoken in your life. And I've had lies being spoken to my life. And I've believed those <laughs> lies for many, many years. But when you speak those truths out loud, and I can tell you very intimately... Some of the truths that I have said out loud to my God in the privacy of my heart and his heart, when I hear them and the more frequently I hear those truths, the stronger I stand. And it's homework. It's homework. It's more homework than any homework you'll get in any book, fill in the blank, Bible study. Because it's your determination with your relationship with your God. Huh? fair? Verse six, it says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then here's this promise. And the peace of God, think about those sentences that your head already wrote on your, your paper. Think about those words that your heart has already written on that paper. Think of those people with the seed of evil in which they had no control over their seed of evil. Think of these things. Think about your request that you're laying before God and hear these words. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, it will guard your heart and it will guard your mind in Christ Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. And I pray with all that is in me that as you, as you do this week's personal challenge, because I feel like this week there's a massive personal challenge being laid down. I pray that you will only do what you're able to do. Don't do more. Is that fair? May I ask that very specifically? Don't do more than you're able to do. If you can only do just a little bit and just start peeking into your past, do that. If you can't even do that, if you just need to take this scripture and say, I'm going to go shopping, then take this scripture and go shopping and call me and maybe I'll meet you there. 
If you're ready to get a notebook out and sit, I can tell you stories of friends that I know, of women that I know that have taken that time to sit and not worry about their penmanship and not worry about their spelling. And that's hard for some of us. And I think of one of my dearest friends years ago. She's like, it was so hard for me to get over my cursive writing because I was going like this. And if I, she said, I had to be careful. I had to get over sometimes the language that came out of my mouth as I sat with the privacy of my pen and my paper. And she filled up this journal. She filled up this journal. And she came to my door, knocked on it very randomly. And she says, can you please take this? Don't burn it. I'm not ready yet, but I don't want this in my house. So do you want me to, what do you want me to do with it? She's like, you can read it for all I care. I just, I need somebody to hold this for me. Then she left. I put that journal in my desk drawer. I put a note on it. This is not mine. <laughs> just in case my husband or son saw it. My boy was six, old enough to read. popped it underneath my files in the bottom of my bottom desk drawer and I closed it. A year later, this girlfriend and I were talking and she filled me in over time. I knew, I knew, I knew it was in the journal. She had told me tidbits. She came to my door. We were talking. She came into my house this time. We're sitting, we're drinking our coffee. And she's like, I asked her, you know, what do you want me to do with your journal? She's like, oh, I don't care. It means nothing to me. Five years before this happened, the two of us were going to a woman's retreat together. We're driving, driving home from a small place in California, driving home to Vegas. And she tells me, she tells me stories. Not a tear in her eyes, she's telling me her story. I'm driving, oddly enough, and crying immensely. And she's sitting there and she's like, yeah, this happened at college years. You know, tell me terrible, heartbreaking stuff. She was just popping open her box for the first time. And I was the very first human that she told her story to. And she had no emotion. It was just dumping it. <laughs> I'm crying for her college age self. And I started a journey between the two of us. I had already healed from my story. So I literally grabbed her, threw her over my shoulder and ran up the mountain so she could have freedom from her story. And she yelled at me and she says, no, I'm not ready. I know you have freedom. I don't. I don't know how to get there. I'm telling you, if you are in the same shoes as my dear sweet friend, don't you dare try to run up that mountain and don't you dare take a friend up that mountain when she's not ready because God is where she needs God to be. Does that make sense? There was a year that this girlfriend did not talk to me because I tried so hard to give her the freedom that I had. I wanted her to have freedom from her pain, from her story so badly. And she called it my golden hammer. She says, I hate your golden hammer. I hate it. Hey, sorry. For a year, we went to church together, serving the Lord together. Interesting, right? Two women called to work. We both had our jobs. We were both doing our jobs and we were loving our jobs for a year. We went to the same church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, women's Bible study. We did everything together in this church. We didn't talk for a year. She had heartache. She had pain. She had sorrow and she took it out on me. I understood that. I was okay with that, but I missed my friend. It was at the end of this year that she was at my door giving me her journal. She is one of my dearest friends now. She now has a website. She now helps women heal from their story of rape. And she is standing strong. She knows her truth. She now looks back at her story, and it's no longer her story, her sentence. It's now the truth that stands tall. And the taller she stood on that truth, the taller, the stronger that truth became, the more impactful it became in her life, in her marriage, with her children, 
and with one more woman bringing her closer to God Almighty. There's power in our story. Doesn't matter if your story was of yesteryear or if your, yes, your story is still going on this morning. How are you seeing it? How is your but God lens? I pray that your but God lens is set only on the truth that stands tall. That's where you start. That's where you start. Find your truth. And once you find your truth, zero in on that. Don't worry about anything else. Just that truth. Does that make sense? Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you so much. Thank you that you're with us in our stories, that you meet us where we are every time, in every season, and in every way. And I thank you that you're, you're so big and so powerful that you miraculously use our stories to grow one more friend to Jesus Christ. That, that has been blowing me away throughout this entire series the way that you can use just one simple story from one simple little girl to proclaim how big and powerful you are. Just such a humbling, humbling, sweet gift from my Father. I pray, Lord God, that you will use whatever you can use of me to grow another friend closer to Jesus. I pray that you'll allow me to continue being open, that, you won't, that I won't get in the way. I pray that. And I pray for each and every one of us as we set our lens on the truth that stands tall. I pray that that lens ultimately is the name of Jesus Christ, our risen Savior. I pray that if there's anyone that's hearing this that does not know Jesus as their Savior, that today will be their day of salvation, that they will call upon the name of God, and that they will know that for now and always that they are the child of God through their belief in Jesus Christ. I pray salvation upon that heart right now. I pray for those of us that know Jesus, that will know Jesus is our truth, not just our salvation story, which is so big and so powerful and so many deep, deep levels, but that Jesus is our truth that allows us to continue on, to press on, to look forward, to set our eyes on God above, no matter what sentence is in our past or what sentence is in our reality today. Jesus, I pray that you will shine so brightly. We pray all these things in your most beautiful name. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. You can find us on Telegram at WIOnline. If you need prayer, contact us at womeninseparable at gmail.com.